about a month ago or so, we talked about the fact that we were looking to hire a pastor of Community Life, and we have hired a pastor of Community Life. Yep. His name is his name is Adam Ping, and some of you like, wait a second, I've seen him up here before. Yeah, Adam's been here for about a year, a little over a year. He plays up here on Sunday mornings. He helps lead the high school band. He's been involved in a lot of the ministries around the church, helping us out. He's got eight years of ministry experience behind him. And when we were looking for this position, and I knew he was available, and he put his resume in, um, it's great. To, it's actually great to hire from within because he already has relationships, and he actually has the skill to do what we're calling him to do. So this is Adam Ping, and I want him to kind of describe to you some of the things he'll be involved in in the church and how you can get involved. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, all right, so excited to be here with you all and be on staff at Grace Chapel, especially during a time when God's doing some awesome things here. Uh, it's just really great to be a part of it. And uh, so I'm, my title is going to be the Pastor of Community Life, and that is sort of twofold. It involves, one, um, things that are helping people get connected and stay connected to Grace Chapel. So anything that will involve, let's say, small groups, life groups, um, new classes, getting membership classes, or um, any new classes we might want to in- introduce in the future, um, or even events that happen here. Those those ways of getting people in here connected and staying connected. That'll be a, a major portion of what I do, as well as the other portion, which is communications and marketing. So um, any bulletins or posters you might see, um, I'm going to design those. Uh, working on the website, any kind of communication with you, uh, those things are what I'll be doing as well. So what, what would be great is if I could have any help from you guys in any way. Number one, with the, with the community life, just meeting you. I, I, I've met a lot of you so far, but there's many of you I haven't and would love to get to know you. So honestly, just, just say hey to me out in the lobby at some point. I'll try to get to you. Uh, we could go, go out to lunch, go out for coffee at some point, uh, a big coffee drinker. So if you guys would, would, would just want to do that at some point, come and meet me. Come and say hey. Uh, I'd love to chat with you and get to know you and get connected with, with a lot of you. Um, and then the other way... That you can actually help as well as through you know, media and communications. There's a lot of stuff to do. So if you're good at, let's say, design, or you're good at web design, or Photoshop, or maybe you can take, you're really good at taking pictures, um, or uh, painting, or designing things for like uh, for um, our posters that are out here that communicate to you what's going on in the church. Any of that stuff, that'd be awesome. Um, and I'd love to have you help there too. So definitely get a hold of me, and uh, we could connect that way. It'll be great to get started on the right foot. So. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam. I wasn't ready. People freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide uh, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And I was so tempted to look at myself and go, what happened? You know? <laughs> and there were times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, because wishing won't 
help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful. It's hard to be thankful, man. I tell you, when I was eight years old, I, I sort of summed up my life and thought, I'm never going to get married. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a life of purpose. What kind of a husband am, am I going to be if I can't even hold my wife's hand? It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. Oh Screens, I can't feel my hands. <laughs> I love life. You know, so many people come and say, how come you smile so much? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a long story. <laughs> but... It's very simple at the same time. You see, it's very hard to smile sometimes in life. There are things that happen that you don't know and you don't understand and you don't know if you're going to get through it. You know, you go through your storms in life and you don't know how long the storm's going to be. And today I want to share with you some principles that I've learned in my life that you can use in yours. It's the hardest thing. But I realize I may not have hands to hold my wife's hand. But when the time comes, I'll be able to hold her heart. I don't need hands to hold her heart. You know, it is scary to know how many girls have eating disorders. It is scary to know how many people are just angry at life because of their situation at home and angry at others. scary to know how many people actually feel like they're worth nothing. Every single girl right here, right now, I want you to know that you are beautiful. You are gorgeous just the way you are. And you boys, you're the man. <laughs> On this DVD, I share my experiences in life of how I've overcome challenges, and seeing a new, fresh perspective in life. To be thankful, to dream big, and to never give up. I speak to children, youth, and adults about key issues and principles that I've applied in my life that has given me the strength to conquer all that comes before me. I wanted to show you that because Nick really, he, I, when I first saw this, I was just amazed and, and found out that he's a believer, which didn't surprise me at all. I thought he was. Speaks in a lot of different churches. But what he was talking about this morning really sets the tone for what I want to talk about. Well, this would be a perfect video to really lay the foundation for what we want to talk about. So look, if you have your Bibles, um, open up to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. Um, but it says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This week is week five of our series, My Story, Living the Life That You Want to Tell. And so far, I, I, it's been exciting for me because to hear, to hear your interaction, to hear how God is working your life, to hear the decisions that you have made, profound decisions, Sitting down with people in my office, talking to people on the phone, you know, talking to people on, uh, on Facebook or, or emailing. It's just been amazing to hear the stories that you're telling of how you've made decisions that have truly begun to transform your life. 
And so it's just been an exciting, exciting, exciting series for me to be a part of um, when you have that kind of feedback. And we, we've gone through a lot so far. We've made a lot of very important decisions. The first week we decided to start, to start one new discipline. Not, not a whole bunch of different things. One new discipline that we need to start in order to tell the story that God wants us to tell. And then the next week we decided to stop. Stop some things or stop one thing in your life that is holding you back from telling the story that you truly want to tell in your life. That God wants you to tell. And then, then the third week we decided to stay when it would be easier for us to go. To stay in a relationship, to stay in the job, to stay wherever it is. It's hard to decide those kinds of things, but we decided to stay when it would be easier for us to just run, to run away from the situation we're in. And then last week, we decided to go, to go when it would be easier for us to stay. And those are all decisions that we need to make, but we've made some really tough decisions during this series. And this morning, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I want us to decide to focus. I want us to decide to focus this morning on our strengths on our strengths. We will never be able to tell the story that God wants us to tell until we recognize our strengths, until we all, every single one of us, begin to recognize that God has given us strengths and we begin to apply those strengths to our lives. We need to recognize them, then we need to apply them. We need to realize, this is so important, it's kind of the crux of what we're going to talk about this morning. We need to realize that it is more important to fully exploit our strengths Okay, then to marginally improve our weaknesses, to fully okay exploit our strengths, then to marginally improve our weaknesses. We hear it sometimes, you know, it's good to have balance. It really is. So don't get lost in taking this one sermon and running off with it and swinging the pendulum too far. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm trying to communicate. It's good that we want to, you know, you want to be well-rounded. It's good to be a well-rounded person. But it is, it is more important when it comes to fulfilling what God has called you to do, that you capitalize on your strengths, that you take your strengths and you continue to mold them. You continue to develop them. You allow God to use you in your area of strengths so that you can fulfill all that he has for you. Listen, I am never going to be a great church administrator, for example. If I tried as hard as I could, I could never be as good at administration or human resource or some of those types of things as some of you are. I could try my entire life, give everything I had to become that kind of person. I could quit my job now as a senior pastor at Grace Chapel and decide, you know what? I want to be more well-rounded, so I'm going to go get a job as an administrator in some other church. And I'm telling you, no matter how hard I tried, I would never come close to what some of you are capable of doing in that area of your life. Because it's not a strength. I've improved over time. I've improved in all of those areas, in organizational skills. I've taken classes and I've read books and I've, I've surrounded myself with the right people and they taught me so much so I understand things better so that I can find the right people to do those things in my life and surround myself with those people. So, uh, yeah, I'm better at them than I was 20 years ago or 10 years ago. 
But to tell you the truth, what they've really helped me to do, the people I've surrounded myself with, is to understand that I need to surround myself with more of those people and I'm better able to pick them out now because I understand how that works and, and the inner workings of the administrative mind. But I could work as hard as I ever wanted to work and I'm still not going to be as good as some of the people that are sitting right here now. And Nick's story, the story that we just saw, Nick's story is one of the, one of the things that I love about it is it challenges us to focus not on what we can't do. Instead of focusing on what we can't do, which we so often do in our lives, it really challenges us to focus on what we can do, on the gifts and the strengths that God has given to each one of us. Instead of sitting back and saying, oh, I'm not very good at this or I'm not very good at that and putting yourself down. You look at a man like that. No arms and no legs. Yet look what he's doing. Look at the lives he's impacting for Jesus Christ. The lives that he's changing. And I believe that what he's saying to every single person that he hears this is, hey, don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do on the gifts and the strengths that God has given to you. William Wilberforce, whom I absolutely love, you know, that person, you've seen that movie, Amazing Grace. Some of you have seen that where William Wilberforce was the man who pretty much uh, eliminated or stopped slavery in England. He wrote a book in 1797 called Real Christianity. And he writes that the Christian living his entire life looking unto Jesus is, is, is diligently to cultivate the talents with which God has entrusted him or entrusted her. Let me read that again. It says diligently to cultivate, to cultivate Okay, you have specific gifts, you have specific strengths. And he's saying you are to cultivate the talents with which God has entrusted you. Wilberforce sees maximizing our talents and strengths, not simply as a, for example, um, a commendable thing or a nice thing. But as something that we are required to. To do something that we are obligated to do. If we want to tell a story worth telling, we need to maximize on the strengths that God has given us. If we want to tell the story that God wants us to tell through our lives, we need to maximize and focus on the strengths that God has given to us. Wilberforce basically argues that when we have natural gifts, He says, when when you have natural gifts, you are all the more obligated to improve upon those gifts and to use them to the good of God's service. Okay, for others, you are to use those gifts in service to others. So if you have natural gifts, he says that you are obligated Okay, to improve upon those gifts so that you can impact the lives of others and basically glorify God. He writes this. He writes, consider sweetness of temper and activity of mind if they naturally belong to you as talents of special worth and utility for which you have to give account. Carefully watch against whatever might impair them, cherish them with constant Assiduity, which is constant or close attention to what you're doing. Assiduity. Keep them in continual exercise and direct them to their noblest ends. I love that. 
In other words, if you've been given a strength, God has given you a strength. You are you acknowledge you have that strength and you need to make sure that you're going to do whatever you can do to enhance that strength, to build that strength, to nurture that strength so that you can use it to the glory of God. And he leaves us all with a really good question that we need to ponder. He says, Am I employing my time, my fortune, my body and mental powers so as to be able to render up my account with joy and not with grief? We are going to have to stand before God and give account for how we use the strengths that God has given to us, how we use the gifts that God has given to us. And will that experience be one of joy or will it be one of grief? And, and, and all every single one of us needs to answer that question. That's what focusing on our strengths is all about. That's what it's all about. Making the best use of the abilities and the gifts that God has given to us. Again, great to be well-rounded. But I challenge you this morning that it is even smarter, if you will, to increase the gifts and strengths that you have. Continue to be well-rounded, but make sure you're spending most of your time figuring out what God has called you to do best and using that to his glory. Glory. I believe that this concept of strength, okay, is basically, it, it falls under the biblical category of gifts. I keep using that back and forth, the strengths and gifts. So when I say the word strengths, I really believe that our strengths fall under the biblical category of our gifts. And this idea of focusing on our strengths of of, of being the best that we can be or what we're energized by. Really, again, it is in line with the biblical challenge to exercise our gifts to the glory of God or exercise our gifts uh, so that we're good stewards of God's grace. We need to exercise these gifts so that we are good stewards of God's grace. He's given them to us. We need to capitalize on them and use them and apply them to our lives. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Think about it. Think about this. Using our gifts is not just a good idea. First Peter is saying it's not just a good idea. It's not, it's not something you can just choose. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not something you can just choose to do or not to do. It's not like a choice kind of thing. You think, well, God gave them to me, but I don't really have to use them. Romans chapter 12 and verse 6 reminds us we have, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. When you when we when we have our when we're using our gifts, when we are being good stewards of our gifts, we are glorifying God. When we when we use our strengths, when we use our gifts, we are being good stewards of what God has given to us. But the opposite is also true. If you have been given a strength, If you have been given a gift, if you've been given a talent and you don't use it, then you are not being a good steward of what God has given to you. God has given you what if you can play basketball and you're awesome at basketball or you pick a sport. If he's given you that ability, that strength in athletics, you are required, commanded by God to use that 
to his glory. If you're great at business, he didn't give you that business prowess so you can make all that money for yourself and build up your own kingdom and build up your own life and do everything you'd like to do. He didn't give you all of those gifts, all of those skills, all those strengths within business to use it just for yourself. He's given us all those things so that that we can tell his story through our lives, through our lives. And see, it's the same it's the same concept as being good stewards of God's resources, his financial resources. Same thing. If you've been given financial resources, the Bible says you need to be a steward. They don't those resources don't really belong to you. They belong to God. And you need to be a good steward of what God has given you and your financial resources. The exact same thing applies here. If God has given you a strength, it doesn't belong to you. He gave it to you so that you can use it so you can be a good steward of his and use that to glorify him this is what we're told let me say it again each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others in other words using those strengths is not just for you it's not just to benefit you remember what we keep saying my goal is to tell that we're saying during this series my goal is to tell his story through my life he's given me what he's given me so i can tell his story through my life the goal is not to serve myself it is not it is i have not been given my strengths and my gifts and my abilities to serve myself but to benefit to build up if you will and to benefit Those around me, especially those within the church, the Bible says that is what our responsibility. And then if you really push it a little bit further, ultimately, the ultimate goal of 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 using your strength is to bring glory to God and 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 to fulfill his purpose in this world. That's the ultimate goal to glorify God. So it's not to bring glory to myself. It's not self-fulfillment. And honestly, as important as this is, it really isn't primarily about uh, other people, even doing it for other people, which is extremely important. The ultimate goal is to glorify God with the gifts and the talents and abilities that he, is, that he has given us to glorify God by serving his purposes in the world. Now, obviously, we do that by serving others, by using our talents in our own lives. And if that benefits you, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're using your gifts and using your strengths to benefit you, as long as you're, as long as you're also focusing on others and doing it to the glory of God, it's okay to do that. But ultimately, ultimately, it is to glorify God. And the most effective way to do what I just described is to be engaged in using your strengths as often as you possibly can. The best way to do that is to make sure that you are engaging in your strengths as often as you possibly can. Be in your strengths most of the time. Now, I know that I know it's not possible to work within your strengths a hundred percent of the time. I, I know that's not possible, but most people are barely working within their strengths 20 percent of the time. There's actually they keep statistics on this. I find it amazing. But they did a they did a, a, a Gallup poll and found that only 20 percent of people are doing what they do best every day. Only 20 percent of the people in the in the country, OK, are doing what they do best every single day. Twenty percent. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
So what I'm encouraging you to do is say, if you really want, if you really want to glorify God, you really want to impact other people's lives, you really want to grow in, in, your, in your relationship with Jesus Christ and be conformed to the image of Christ, then you really need to be working within your strengths most of the time. And the reality is that only 20% of the people are working within their strengths or what they do best every single day. See, that needs to change. That needs, to, that needs to change if we're going to tell the story that God wants us to tell. That has to change. We, we, as the body of Christ, we need to think of ways that we can get engaged in the things that we do best. I know it's difficult. I know you can't always use the gifts and the talents and the, the strengths that God has given you at work every single day. But we need to come up with ways. We need to come up with ways that when we can use them, we do use them. We need to think of ways. We need to actually think of ways that we can use our strengths as much as humanly possible every single week. So, for example, maybe you are not using your, the strengths that God has given you at work as much as you would like to. You had a job before where you were, and then, you know, the economy happened or something happened, or, you know, you kind of went through a bumpy part of your life, and now you're doing something that maybe really isn't in your wheelhouse per se. If that's the case, then what you need to do is think of how you can use those same gifts Within the church, how do I express my gifts within the body of Christ? And in our church, no one can tell me here that we can't find a place for you to serve, especially at Grace Chapel. Okay, if it's not sinful, it's what? Right. So if it's not sinful, it's sacred. We can we can find a place, whether you're in business, whether you're going to high school, whether you're in junior high, doesn't matter how old or young you are. If, if you have a specific gift or a specific strength, we will find a place for you to use, utilize it within the body of Christ to the best of our ability. Or you can volunteer in the community. You get involved in the community using the strengths that God has given you. There's a lot of things in the community where people need volunteers. And so you get involved in the community. But here's the thing. You take advantage of every opportunity you can to use your strengths. Because you never know where that's going to lead you. You never know. You start using your strengths in the community or in the church. And other people are seeing that. And they say, you know what? I work at such and such a place. You would be, there's a job opening. You'd be perfect for this job. What happens is we don't get to do what we want all the time in our 40 hour a week job. And so we pull back and we don't use our strengths at all. And what you're doing is you're limiting yourself because when you continue to use your strengths in any circumstances you can find, that leads to other opportunities. We, my friends, we need to make sure, and I'm going to come back to this a little bit. We need to make sure that we are continually, if you don't use it, you heard this, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it, right? You're going to, if you don't use that strength, you're going to lose it. And so this is what God is saying. Oh, it's okay to be well-balanced. It's okay to be well-rounded. But you have to focus on your strengths. I love this. Peter Drucker made this observation. He said it takes far more energy. Listen to this. It takes far more energy and work to improve from incompetence to mediocrity than it takes to improve from first-rate performance to excellence. That is so true. Yet most people, especially some educational institutions and most, most, if you will, organizations concentrating, uh, concentrate on making incompetent performers into mediocre ones. And I'm not being derogatory and calling someone in. You're, you're so incompetent. I'm just saying that people sometimes are not in the right position. They're not in the right place. 
And they spend so much time trying to turn incompetent performers into mediocre ones. I believe God calls us instead, if you will, to use our energy, to use our resources, to use our time to turn competent people into world changers. That's what God wants. God wants us to spend most of our energy, most of our time, most of our resources, most of our whatever it is. Okay, he wants us to spend most of our time taking competence. Okay, and turning competent people and turning them into world changers. There are people who just need more opportunity. I love when I find out what the students in the church, I don't, students or adults, I'll just use students for a second. When I find out what the students enjoy doing, I look for opportunities to give them a chance to employ what they love to do. For example, I was, I was talking to Abraham, the scientist that I've, I've talked about before. This guy's a brilliant scientist, and he's talking last Thursday about bringing us up to his lab and showing us some new things that he's working on. My mind immediately went to two of our students, two of the girl students, and they, they love science and they love lab work. And I asked Abraham right at the meeting, would it be okay if, I, if they were allowed to get out of school and their parents were okay with it, if I could take these two women with me uh, next week, okay, and they could be a part of this, showing you can show us the lab and show us what you're doing. And, and I want them engaged. I want them involved. Why? Why? Because they get off from school? Not at all. That's maybe part of it. No. No. Why did I do that? Because I want them to see someone who's exceptional, who is beyond gifted, who's a genius at what they do, so I can help inspire them to continue to focus on their strengths, to give them opportunities to use their strengths and be excited about their strengths. If we want to be effective, we need to learn what our strengths are. First, we need to learn what our strengths are, and then we need, to, we need to build on them, and then we need to craft most of our roles around our strengths most of the time, okay? Craft our roles, our, what we do in life, most of our roles around our strengths most of the time. Again, can't do it 100% of the time. There's just things, hey, you know what? I'm not an expert at wiping, you know, baby's bottoms, you know what I mean? T- changing diapers, I'm no expert at it. But sometimes you got to change baby's, you know, diapers and everything. Especially when you feed them cookies and all kinds of pudding, like I'm just kidding. Some of you saw it on my Facebook. Hey, just so you know, uh, a little bit of joke. I, they, were, they were able to have one cookie, okay? Peace. I, I was just showing you a whole plate of cookies. I was able to eat the rest. Um, but... Um, but, you know, put pops in control. The kid, the grandkids love me. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't like to discipline them at all if I can help it. And I always like to say yes. Um, and so I want my grandkids to love me. I don't really care. Honestly, I was thinking about this this week. I don't really care. I mean this sincerely what most people think of me in life. I really don't. I'm going to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be the best I can. And then let the chips fall they may. I do care what my grandkids think about me. All right. So I uh, just want to be honest. <laughs> I do care what they think about me. So, and, and here's the thing. Okay, so we, we come to this point. There's, there's two people in the Old Testament that I believe, I really believe, that, that um, exemplify what we've been talking about in such a great way. And they're Joshua and Caleb. Okay, two of my favorite characters in the Bible, Joshua and Caleb. Think about it. What do most successful people have in common? What do most successful people have in common? They have the ability to focus on the task at hand and to execute 
that task with thoughtful precision. They, they, they can focus on the task at hand, and then they're able to, with their strengths and their gifts, execute that task with, with thoughtful precision. They, they have, the, these folks, if we talk about people who are successful, they have the ability to draw on their God-given strengths, okay? They have just this incredible ability to draw on their God-given strengths to accomplish the goal. So, for example, a strong military leader, okay, in a battle, will not win that battle if he tries to do all of everything himself, no one has the ability to think through all circumstances, has all the gifts and all the talents and all the abilities. A great military leader does not focus all of his attention on himself, but he focuses on his own strengths and then he delegates to other leaders around him. And once he does that, he is able to win the battle. See, if he focuses all on himself and says, you know, oh, I can do it all. I can handle it all. That's one area of mistake. That's a mistake that he will make. And the other is that he, that, he, that he focuses on obstacles and the concerns of life. And those things pull away his focus. He needs to be focused directly on the battle. If he starts focusing on everything else, he's going to fail. That's why he needs to focus on his strengths that he has. And then he needs to delegate to other people to focus on their strengths. He cannot be focused on everything at once. Or that leader is not going to be a successful leader. It's not going to be a successful leader in business. He's not going to be a successful leader in his school. He's not going to be a successful leader in a battle. He's not going to be a successful leader. He needs to focus. He needs to delegate and not get his focus off of what is most important. See, we need to, here it is. We need to find our zone. You need to find your zone. Then you need to focus on your strengths. Then you need to delegate responsibilities to others. Those things that you're not as good at doing. You you find your zone. You focus on your strength. You delegate those responsibilities that are not in your wheelhouse to other people. And then, my friends, what you need to do most of all is that you need to block out everything. You need to block out everything that is not going to help you accomplish the task that God has called you to do to, to accomplish your, miss, your mission. If it is not going to help you accomplish your mission, then you need to block it out. Once you've delegated and focused, block out whatever is not going to help you accomplish what God has designed and called you to do. The lives of Caleb and Joshua are a great example for every single one of us to follow. See, Joshua followed Moses, okay, from his youth. So he pretty much knew what uh, his strengths were early on. He could learn early on what his strengths were because he spent some more time with Moses. And if you remember, it was Joshua and Caleb who were part of the 12 spies that Moses sent out to explore the promised land, the land of Canaan. So they were sent out. And it was Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones to come back to the people with a positive report and to encourage the people to keep their faith in God. God is called us to take this land we were given a specific task to go into the land to spy out the land they came back they gave the report and they told the people a positive report and also they told the people to keep your faith in god now there was 12 other there were 10 other spies right and they had a whole different story to tell but Caleb and Joshua came back and did exactly what Moses had instructed them to do. And what they got for it was they were threatened to be stoned. 
They were threatened with stoning. The 12 spies that were sent out had a specific purpose. All 12 had a specific purpose. And and their purpose was to report back on the land that Moses had sent them into to explore. And they needed to stay focused. What Moses was asking them to do, he's basically asking them a couple questions. And I know I'm I'm being broad here, 30,000 foot view. But he said, hey, does it flow with milk and honey? Go in there. Does it flow with milk and honey? And what are the people like who live there? Does it flow with milk and honey? And what are the people like who live there? Only Joshua and Caleb were able to accomplish the task. Only the two of them. They basically came back and said, hey, this is exactly what God said it was. It does flow with milk and honey. They had all those grapes. They were carrying these grapes, massive grapes, and all this, all the byproduct of the, you know, the, the fruits of the, of the land. They brought those back. It does flow with milk and honey. There are some people there that are pretty tough. But we should now go in and take the land because God told us we should go in and take the land. So what are we waiting for? It's exactly what God said. Let's go and get it. They stayed focused on the task at hand. They stayed focused on their God and they believed in their strengths. And so they were ready to accomplish what God had for them. And they, my friends, if you think about it, we know the end of their story. I love Caleb, okay? I love this man, Caleb. And I love the end of his life, okay? So just picture, you've gone through all these things, you've done what God has called you to do, and here's part of the story of Caleb's life at the end. It's found in Joshua 14, 10 and 11. It says this, Now then, just as the Lord promised, okay, focus. What did the Lord tell us to do? This is your land, go and take it, okay? So he just, now just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. That's his story. That's his story. So the question is my story. Living the story I want to tell. That's Caleb's story. Caleb has a great story. Joshua has a great story. You know the other ten spies? They all died of the plague. Okay? And every male Israelite, 20 years older, who, who, who followed after them, who lost focus and followed after them, every single one of them who followed after them died in the desert. Listen to their story. This is the story they tell when they come back in Numbers 13, 31 through 33. Notice the focus here. Notice the focus. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they began to spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devour those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Moses did not ask them. He did not ask them. It was not their responsibility to come back and decide whether they should go take the land or not. That's already a done deal. He said, does it flow with milk and honey? What kind of people are there? Okay, we're going to take the land. It's a foregone conclusion. They, on the other hand, decide, you know what? I'm going to take it upon myself to be a coward and, and, and spread bad rumors amongst all the people that if we go in there, we're like grasshoppers. We're going to get smushed under their feet. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. Here's the thing, okay? When God calls you to do something, if God calls me or you to do something, we need to do what we are told, We need to be obedient to what we are told and then go and do it with relentless passion. 
God's not asking your opinion. He has asked me to do some things in my life. Almost, I can think of a whole lot of them. He has asked me to do some of the most outrageous things that seemed impossible. That seemed totally impossible. But instead of arguing with God, my attitude most of the time was, yes, master. Yes, sir. There are my marching orders and I go and march. It doesn't matter if I think to myself, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not strong enough to do that. I'm not capable enough to do that. God has chosen me. So obviously he's given me the necessary tools to do what he's called me to do. And when I say, yes, sir, and I start to march, I come up against an obstacle and I say, ah, I have the strength so far to get me this far, but I don't have the ability to get around this obstacle. So i I will then choose my friend, John, who will help me because he has the ability. He has the gifts and the strength that God has given him. And we will go around that together. And then, boy, I have the strength and I just keep going. God, and I hit another roadblock and another obstacle. And I say to my friend, Dave, Dave, I need you to help me around this obstacle. And I go through, but I don't question God. It's not my place. God says, go. He says, jump. You say, bingo, right? God's in the details. I don't need, seriously, I don't need to know all the details. I just need to know I'm supposed to go, which point me in the right direction. And, and obviously, if you've, if you've asked me to do something, Lord, then obviously you're going to give me the tools for me to accomplish what you've asked me to do. When you do not, listen to me, when you do not focus on your strengths, you, you, you lose focus and you're defeated before you even begin. Those cowards didn't even want to go into the promised land. They didn't even want to fight to begin with. They were, they lost focus. God had told them, I am promising you, I'm giving you this land. Caleb and Joshua were not confused at all. They were grabbing a sword. These are some big guys over there and they're going to fall like trees. This is great. You know, let's go get it. Let's go take what God has given to us. Oh, gee, we can't do that. You know why? They lost focus. They focused on the strength of the people within that that country and didn't focus on the strengths that God had given to them. They lost focus on their own strengths and they were defeated before they even began. And the end result of their lives, we read about it, is they all died in the desert. Every Every single male, 20 and over, who focused on the wrong thing died in the desert. And at the end of Joshua's life, this is so cool. He encouraged the people to choose God over everything else. And it says that he did everything that God commanded Moses to do. Listen to this. The Bible says that under Joshua's leadership, not one, I'm quoting, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled, Joshua 21, 45. Wouldn't it be great? Man, I'm getting goosebumps to think about it. Wouldn't it be great for your own life? Wouldn't it be great if you could say at the end of your life, all of God's promises for my life have been fulfilled? All of God's promises, everything he's called me to do has been fulfilled. I want to be walking as an old man. I'll still be walking, strutting, you know, but if I'm an old man, I just want to, I just want to be, God's like, oh, I'm finished. And I just drop right there because I've accomplished everything that he has for me to accomplish. You know how that doesn't happen? Oh, gee, I'm not, oh, gee, well, what if, and they're big, and what about that, and, 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 and what about insurance, and, and what about this, and what if we can't do that, and what if this other guy, or whatever else, and blah, 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 focusing on everything else except what God has given you the strength to do, and surrounding yourself, I've said this a million times, you do not have to be the smartest person in the room, you have to surround yourself with the smartest people in the room. 
You only have to be good at a few things. It doesn't matter. And then you find everybody else who's better at you than everything else. And that's how, you become, that's how we become successful in our lives. God hasn't called his people to live a story of fear, to live a story of defeat. He has called his people to rise up using the strengths that he has given them, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and defeat our enemies. Nothing can stand in the way of a person filled with the spirit of the living God. There's nothing on earth powerful enough to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. God's not going to stop you, right? Let's go to the math here. God calls you to do it. He's not going to stop you, right? Satan can't stop you. He's not powerful enough. So let's see, who can stop me from doing what I've been called to do? What do you think? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. You, me, right, exactly. Me. Me. And it cannot happen in our lives. God hasn't called us to live a spirit of fear, but to take the strengths that he's given us and to use those strengths to impact the lives of people around us. We need, listen to me. We need to be locked into, okay, locked into the same focus as Caleb and Joshua. We need to be locked in. We need to have that, that eagle-like focus on a target. We need to know that God is with us. We need, to, we need to remember. We need to remember these verses. We need to remember these stories. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The key to success is to focus on our strengths and to trust the God who called us to do it. That is the key to success. I need to focus on my strengths, on my strengths, okay? Obviously, then I bring people around me. I focus on my strengths. I focus on other people's strengths. And then I trust I am obedient to the God who called me to do it. We need to decide this morning to stay focused on our strengths. And we need to encourage other people in the body of Christ to stay focused on their strengths. You need to be encouragers. You need to see people doing things and call it out and say, man, that is awesome. You're incredible. Have you used that gift within the church? Have you served in that area whatever else? Have you volunteered in the community? Are you working in this area of your life because you are so good? You need to bring those things out in people's lives. See, your story, my story, is really our story. It's God working through each one of us to accomplish his goals, to accomplish his purposes. My story, your story, is our story to accomplish his story, God's story, and his purposes in this world. We need to work together in our strengths. Only together, only together, using our individual strengths, can we tell the story that God wants us to tell. I want you to bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. And I want you to stay focused, though. Bow your heads and stay focused. You're thinking, I'm not sure what my strengths are, maybe. I'm not sure what they are. That's okay. Then you need to get involved in 101 and 201 and 301, 401, 501. Go through 101, 201. They'll strengthen you. In 301, you'll learn your shape for ministry. Listen to me. In 301, you will learn your shape for ministry. You'll learn your spiritual gifts. You'll learn your heart. What is your heart? What is your heart drawn to? You'll learn about your abilities and your personality and your experiences. And all those avenues of your life can come together to show you what your strengths are. You can learn those things. You can learn those things. So go through that. This morning, we're going to write on the floor again. In the back, in the very back, the candles are back there. We're going to write on the floor again. And I want you to write down. It says, I decided to focus. 
So think about this. Using my strengths, I decided. I'm going to use my strengths and I'm going to decide to. Using my strengths, I've decided to. Or, in order to use my strengths, I decided. Let me give you an example, okay? You may need to decide to let go of a few things in your life so you can better focus on your strengths. You're doing too many things here. They're not evil, they're not bad. You're just doing too many of them and you're not focusing on your strengths. You may need to decide to go to the classes like I just mentioned so you can better understand your strengths. You may need to decide to begin a process of changing your job. Not right this second, but thinking about maybe I need to change my job over time so I can begin to use the strengths that God has given me. Maybe you need to start serving in some area of the church within your strengths so that you can better utilize those strengths and better capitalize them and, 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 and start using what God has given you so you don't lose the things that God has given you. You may need to come out of retirement. Some of you, seriously, you may need to come out of retirement and use your strengths because like Caleb, God is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. You need to say, I'm 85 years old. I'm just as strong to go out and battle now as I was then. Give me that hill country. That, that Moses promised me, that God has promised me. Some of you need to come out of retirement and start using those gifts again. Maybe not full time, but you need to start using your gifts again. Whatever it is for you, make the decision this morning to begin to use your strengths for God's glory. And when you decide what that action is, even right now, as we're, as, as we're sitting here, we're thinking, we're pondering. When you decide that, I want you to get up and go in the back and take that marker and just write that down. I decided I'm going to focus on using my strengths in this area or I decided I need to stop doing this, maybe some things in my life and start focusing on my strengths. What is it you need to let go of a little bit so you can start focusing on your strengths? When you feel led of the spirit, just get up, write that down and we are dismissed. God, I pray, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning with these awesome people who love you and who desire to serve you and give you their whole lives. I pray that you would use us, that you would show us our strengths, that you would help us apply our strengths so that we can build your kingdom and further the cause of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.